0: After having fished all night, um, Christ asked them, hey, do you have any catch? And they said to him, no, Lord, we don't have anything. And Jesus told them, fish on the right hand side of the boat. So the disciples took that few steps that it takes to cross the boat. And when they got to the other side, the Bible simply says that they let down their nets for a catch. And after doing that, the nets were so full, it took the other boats to come and help them be able to pull in all the fish. You know, sometime in our lives, it's just a few steps between where we were and where we need to be in order to see God do miraculous things in our life. It's going to be a great message this weekend. I'm really anticipating God doing some big things in your life. You are here. If you would go ahead and grab your notes, today is the last day that we are going to be teaching on our series Believe. We'll move into a new series next week that I believe that you'll really enjoy. But uh, we're going to take today and finish up on this one. While you're getting your notes ready, let me call all of our campuses uh, into order with us. Um, This is Lone Tree, but we're calling you over at Lakewood, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, those that are live streaming, those that will listen later. We are glad you are a part of the greater JFC family and welcome. Glad that you are here. Two quick housekeeping Items. Um, I don't know, about a month ago or so, I announced we were going to be taking uh, our 2013 Israel trip in September of this coming year, and we did the Israel meeting. We had uh, almost 200 people come to the orientation meeting to find out about the Israel trip, and of that so far, we've got um, almost 70 people signed up to go to Israel that are actually paid with deposits. Here's what I wanted to throw out. In order to fill the other bus up, um, I I need five more couples. So if you are on the fence about going and would like to go, we, we would love to have you go to Israel with us. It's in September of this year. The rest of the information about the cost and the exact dates, all that, it'll be available out there at the Connect, Grow, Serve table. And so this weekend at any of the campuses, any folks that would like to go, uh, we need uh, a minimum of uh, five more couples. We can take more than that, but a minimum would help us to actually secure that second bus and have it all ready and good to go. So we're just thrilled with how many people we're going to be taking again. It's going to be a wonderful trip. And then uh, the other thing is just an update on our Believe campaign for being able to uh, do more ministry with our children. Now, if you're visiting, I recognize you're like, what are you talking about? Our Believe campaign is just simply we're out of room downstairs in this building and at our Highlands Ranch building. To do ministry with our children, so we've got to figure out a way to uh, to increase our capacity without adding on major debt. We didn't feel like we wanted to build new buildings or go through that process. So um, we've had a a major God factor happen with the Highlands Ranch building and uh, all the room that we have over there. We're gonna relocate all of our offices into a central location. Uh, By doing that, it's gonna increase our capacity to minister to 50% more children in this building than we can minister to right now. So we are trying to raise a total of 1.2 million million. Through last week, we had 300,000. When I stood up here a week ago, I said 300,000. Through today, we now have $425,000. So another $125,000 came in this last week. I just want to throw out to you that it's only been three weeks that we've been in this program right here. That is um, over now a third of what we need in order to be able to do the project. And if you are sitting out there and praying about it and wondering, hey, is it something to be involved with? Could I encourage you Be involved with it. And for this reason, here's here's the reason I would throw out to you. So many times we pray this, God bless me, bless my effort, bless what I'm doing, bless what I'm putting my hand to. Can I save you years of praying by learning this principle? Rather than praying, God bless what I'm doing, why don't you find out what God is doing and get involved in it? And watch what happens when you sow into what God is already doing. Does that make sense? When you participate with God, it is amazing how he will bless you. So I just want to throw out there that idea. If you are just like, hey, is it something I want to be involved in or not? God is obviously blessing at it. You can look at it. You can see what's happening. Um, It was just this week in one-time gifts. We had $66,000 given just this week in one-time gifts. One of those was a supernatural deal that I'm going to talk about here in the message. So um, let's go ahead, let's take our our notes right here. Um, We're going to use the last message today in Believe on the idea of obedience. And I put under the uh, transition point, if you look right there, I put down, This is what I titled the message, to obey is better than sacrifice. And that comes from the Old Testament. And in fact, let me just make the statement to you. God is the same God in the New Testament that he was in the Old Testament. You know that, right? Some people tend to believe like in the Old Testament, God was in a bad mood, but in the New Testament, he got in a good mood. And that's just simply not true. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hey, look, God is either good all the time or he's good none of the time. He cannot be both. He cannot be both. So if we say that God is good, then God is good now, and God was good then, and God will be good tomorrow. Okay? So when we use the idea, and I teach on obedience, here's where I would go. It's an Old Testament scripture, and this is what God taught all the way back in the Old Testament. To obey is better than sacrifice. God is not into you sacrificing in order to get his approval. God is into you obeying him because he loves it when by faith you do what he tells you to do. When we obey God, he loves it. There's something about our obedience that gets God's attention. Now, I put down just very quickly this thought. Obedience is faith walked out. Think about it. Obedience is faith walked out. This message... Believe, we've talked about faith over and over and over again, where faith comes from, what faith is, how to get faith. I put it down in this summary. It's my summary. I thought about it this week. Obedience simply is faith that becomes walked out. Once you have faith and you're obedient to go do that, you're walking out the thing that you believe in. Now I have three thoughts that I'll throw at you real quick, then we'll jump into the scripture and I'll I'll teach you a few things that um, I think we'll have some fun with this. Here's the three thoughts that I put down about obedience. Number one, and I just said it, God is the same always. Hebrews 13.8 says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has always been into to obedience. It's not a New Testament idea. In the Old Testament, sacrifice the New Testament, obedience. God has always been into His people being obedient to Him. Number two, obedience is everything to God. Do you believe that? Yeah. Obedience is everything to God. Last but not least, I would throw this thought to you. If you're not sure if that's true, I would just throw this thought out to you theologically. Abraham, who is the, the Old Testament hero, that we look at that he Father Abraham, the patriarch. You, you laugh because you remember the song? Father Abraham had me... Okay, all right, so forgive me for, yes, going back a few years. Um, <laughs> Abraham, before Christ, lived on this earth, gave his life voluntarily so that you and I had the opportunity to go to heaven based on the work of Jesus. The Bible records this, that Abraham was considered righteous by God before Jesus died. This is an important theological point. Abraham was considered righteous by God before. We're all considered righteous by God now once we come in relationship with Jesus. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. When we trust Christ and the work that he's done, we are the righteousness of God in Christ so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our stuff, he sees Jesus' stuff. He poured out on Jesus our stuff and we got what belonged to Jesus. But theologically speaking, here's what the Bible says, that it was accredited to Abraham as righteousness for this reason, because he believed God. When you believe, you are obedient. God wants you to believe him. That makes you obedient. Belief is everything to God. Now, I want to read this story about obedience and about belief, how it all comes together. We're going to pull it from the New Testament. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 8. By the way... When we shot that video, um, that is one of the things that we do when we're in Israel. We go to the Sea of Galilee, we get on the boat, we go out to the middle of the Sea of Galilee, they shut the engines off, and we go to several of the scriptures that talk about when Jesus walked on the water. We talk about the fish that were, were, were drawn up in the, in the nets. We talk about many of the miracles that happened. And I want to tell you something, you can read those things in your Bible right now, and you get some kind of idea in your mind what it looks like, go there one time. Read it while you're on the Sea of Galilee and you'll never read your Bible the same way again. It's why I tell every believer, you should at least consider as a believer going to Israel one time in your life because it will change the way you read your Bible. You you read it in black and white, you will will read it in high definition after going on this trip. I guarantee you it changes everything. Luke chapter 5 verse 1 through 8 begins this way. So it was... As the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret, or the Sea of Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Let me just comment, why are they washing their nets? They've been out fishing. You know anything about fishermen? After they've fished, after they've caught, they bring the nets in, they clean the nets for the next time. So they're done fishing for the day. They, they're, they're, they're not getting ready to go fishing. It's already been done. And that's an important point to the story. So he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's boat, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And as he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, let me just stop and remind you what had happened. They were done fishing, correct? Jesus gets into the boat, pushes out a little bit from the land. And the reason he did that, such a crowd had gathered around him that by backing himself away from the shore on the boat, he could use his voice to bounce off the water in order to speak to the multitude. As he stood on the shore being surrounded by people, if you've ever seen that happen, only the people near the front can hear what's going on. They did not have microphones then. I don't know how Jesus did any ministry living that long ago. (laughs) Come on, it's a joke. (laughs) Some of you, like, you have everything you can't do ministry, so... All right. (laughs) Just laugh. Thank you. So, they're done fishing. Jesus picks Simon's boat. He backs himself off. He teaches... And when he's done teaching, rather than rowing back into the shore, he tells Simon, let's go ahead and go out to the deep, and I want you to let your nets down for a catch. You get the picture. Okay, so pick the story back up from there. So he said to Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught, what's your word say? Nothing. Nothing. Nevertheless... At your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats uh, so that they began to sink. Verse 8, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. What an interesting story. Let me give you four things about this story that I would just have you take home tonight. Number one is this. Obedience is always tested when you're tired, yes or no. When you have strength, when you have energy, when everything is going well, it doesn't take that much to do what Jesus tells you to do. But when you are tired, doesn't it seem like that's always the time that God comes and asks you to do something? How about this? Doesn't it seem like it's the time your wife comes and asks you to do something? Yes. Now, I want to connect the thought. Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? The greatest commandment is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And okay, to, one more time. I believe I started over here. Here's what I said to you. Okay. So what... What is it about our wives who come and ask us to do things when we are tired? We all chuckle, ha, ha, ha. And then I said, and Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, you're so good. You have a good teacher, don't you? So so here's what that means then. Christ is teaching this principle. He adds the end because the principle of loving God alone is not sufficient. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor like you love yourself. 1 John says this if we say we love God, but we don't love people, we're lying. Another way to look at it would be to say it this way. We don't love God unless we love people. All right, go back to the statement. What is it about obedience being tested when we're tired that makes it so difficult? If God were to show up in a burning bush and you were tired, but from the burning bush said to you, I want you to go do this, I bet you'd do it. Agree with me? But here's how God shows up. Your wife comes. Preach it is right. <laughs> I'm gonna, all right, one more time. The two are equal. The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, in one of the translations, Jesus says, all of the laws of the prophets hang on these two commandments. The entire weight of the Old Testament hangs on those two issues. Loving God with all your heart and loving people like you love yourself. So that if you connect the idea of what Jesus is teaching, obedience is that when the Holy Spirit asks you to do things, he doesn't always show up in the form of Jesus himself asking. Jesus comes as people asking, doesn't he? Had an interesting, interesting, interesting thing happen to me yesterday. Um, I was invited to speak at a conference, and I initially said no. My schedule right now, if you try to get an appointment with me, it's it's out of control. It's tough to get an appointment with me. And it's not because I'm sitting at home watching Judge Judy every day. Uh. I am cranking right now. I I am am violating some of the principles that I set in my life and that I'm working on my days off right now. And that's a no-no. I I tell my pastors, you're not allowed to do that, you can lose your job for doing that because you set a bad example in front of our people when you live that way. Now, every once in a while, it's necessary. I've got a lot of moving parts. Uh, In the next couple of weeks, here's always a tantalizing thing. In the next couple of weeks, I've got some things that I'm going to say, hey, we're doing this, we're doing... There's some internal things that are happening that are really good, not bad. So don't go home today. and go, oh, what is he going to announce now? No, there's nothing like that. Some good things are happening, and I'm very excited about it. But it's required... Tons of meetings. It's required tons of activities. My schedule is just, it's jam-packed. So I get invited to do this conference. And my initial thought was, no, I'm not going to do it. But as I hung up the phone, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, you need to accept this invitation. So I called back and I said, listen, if the invitation is still open, I will come and I will do it. The invitation was for last night. The last two nights have gone like this for me. God is my witness. Physically, the enemy came against me two nights ago. I, I hate. It's, it's embarrassing to even say it. I, I got the hiccups, and I couldn't stop hiccupping all night long. Now you would laugh at that, and but if it happens to you, you can't imagine. It was the enemy just had a complete attack on my life. And then last night. Two thirty or three in the morning, my son busts in our room. The dog's having a heart attack. <laughs> so I jump up. I, how many of you know what that's? <laughs> Who's having a heart attack? What? Where? And we're taking the dog to the emergency room. So so in the middle of everything, it's like this whirlwind's going on around me. And I say yes to this invitation. The only reason I said yes is because I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to do it. I go last night, I'm getting ready to speak. The pastor stands up to introduce me and this is what he does. He said, Pastor John, um, I understand you're in a building program right now. And our church wanted to give $20,000 to help you in your building program no 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 I just want to ask you a question at that point you're thankful for the obedience <laughs> yes so how many of you for $20,000 would be obedient how, about, how many of you would not be obedient for $20,000 you, you of course not here I, here's my question to you. how many blessings do we blow by just like that because we don't get the fact that God asks us to do things through people That's good. That's good. we think that if a burning bush would show up uh, of course I'll be obe- well of course you would who wouldn't I went home last night and my my rose bush was on fire and God was speaking to me from well of course yes I get it yeah the problem it doesn't come that way does it it comes when people are hurting and they need your time. It comes when marriages are mixed up, and you have to get involved. Yes, That's right. it comes when people are sick. It comes when you are most inconvenienced. It comes, um, Eric, my friend. It comes when you are when you are at hundred percent capacity. capacity, serving God, seeing miracles, and there's more. Yeah? And you've got to listen to God. How? How? To obey is better than sacrifice. Most of us want to be obedient, but we want to do it on our terms. When it's convenient... Like in the middle of the day between one and two, <laughs> not at three in the morning, when my son needs his dad. So I don't know if any of you can understand. It wasn't really about the dog last night. The dog's fine, by the way. The dog's absolutely fine. We took him over to the vet. By the time I got him to the vet, he's running around like he's just fine. The vet's like, Why are you here? I'm really not sure. <laughs> Please don't charge me. Let me just go home. (laughs) And the guy goes, okay, just go home. home. My son needed me last night at 3 o'clock in the morning. He needed his dad to get up and to come by his side. He needed his dad to comfort him. This is not a little boy. This is my son. This is his dog who he loves with all of his heart. And he needed his dad to get up and pray. And he needed his dad to be, did you get it? He needed his dad to be Jesus last night and it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and I was tired. When I get done with this weekend, I will have taught somewhere between 8 and 9 times in 7 days. I'm a little tired. Just a little. Meetings, I can't even count how many I've had this week. I haven't been able to call some of my friends back. That's how busy I've been. I put down as an example... Underneath the idea that most of us want to be obedient on our terms, I put that as an example when I get home. Something the Lord told me years and years ago was this. I, I don't know if anybody else has this problem. I tend to take stuff home with me. Anybody else relate to that? And, and the Lord told me years and years ago, John, here's what: even if you have to drive around the block a couple of times, tell me whatever you need to tell me. Get it out of your system. But when you pull in the driveway... You've got to leave it in the car when you get inside the house. Don't take it into your wife and don't take it into your children. When you go into them, you need to be dad, husband, friend, lover, companion. But you don't need to be the boss when you go home. You don't need to bring all your stress and your anger and your struggles from the day. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Yeah. So Lord told me years ago to be obedient to do that. And I'm going to tell you the truth. It's inconvenient to have to sit in my car for an extra five minutes <laughs> and make sure I leave it there. It's inconvenient to not bring it in with me and to dump it all on my wife. And take it out on her. Anybody? Yes. Just be real with me right now. It's inconvenient. But it pays off unbelievable dividends in the relationship. When you obey God, he blesses your life. I have a blessed marriage through the simple act of obedience. You know, you could go home tonight and do this right here, and God could bless you in an incredible way. Obedience and convenience are seldom synonymous. Do you agree? What it really comes down to is flesh or spirit. Which one do you want to listen to? Why is it so easy to listen to our flesh rather than to listen to the Spirit? Here's what I know, though. When you listen to the flesh, you don't get blessed. When you listen to the Spirit, you get blessed. Wouldn't that be enough then to convince us to listen to the Spirit? Why do we fight that battle of flesh? Because we're stuck in a fallen world. Isn't that the very work of God inside of our hearts that the Holy Spirit leads us so that we don't live our lives by the flesh, but by the Spirit? Yes? Let me give you the second thing that I got out of this scripture. Verse 4 and 5 are interesting verses. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. I put down as the second thing that I pulled out from this was just the understanding of the difference between shallow versus deep. Can you agree with this? God always invites us to go deeper with him. Do you agree with that statement, that it is God's desire to take you deeper or maybe to take you higher, to take you further, but God does not desire to leave us alone? I put down as a thought, and maybe it's just a good comparison, uh, in in Matthew chapter 17, that is the story of the transfiguration. You remember that Jesus is with his disciples, and then he takes um, three, Of the 12, he takes three with him higher. They go to the top of the Mount of the Transfiguration. and You remember that when they get up there, Jesus is transfigured in the presence of God. The Bible says that he began to shine like lightning. What was Jesus doing? All he was doing was reflecting or radiating the very presence of God. Do you know that the Bible calls us to do the same thing? That we are to reflect the reality of the real kingdom of God? That we're supposed to be around God so much that we look different. We reflect the presence of the living God. And one of the ways we do that, when we're obedient to do what God calls us to do, we look different than the rest of this world, don't we? When we love instead of hate, forgive Instead of curse, yes or no? It's just simple theology. It's, it's so simple. It's the exact idea. But the point is, Jesus walks with the 12. He grabs three and he tells the three, if you want to, I'll take you higher. And by taking them higher, they saw things none of the other disciples saw, didn't they? Here's what I'd ask you. How many of you would love to see things that some of the other disciples in this room don't get to see? Then go deeper. Oh, that's good. When he calls your name, tell him yes. When he asks you to be obedient, tell him right now. When he says, I want you to do this, go with him. Do you get it? Yes. You want to see more? <laughs> then do more. Be obedient. I love that thought. I love that idea right there. God always invites us to go deeper with him. How about this? There is a cost though. The cost for those guys, they had to walk up a mountain. If it was easy, every disciple would do it. Verse 6 and 7 read this way. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. I put down what I took from that, the blessing of obedience. Let me ask you this question. Do the disciples catch the fish if they do it their way? And then here's my question to you: Who knew more about fishing, the disciples or Jesus? Now be careful. Who knew more about fishing? See, here's what I'm hearing: the disciple Jesus. I I totally know how. See, I know how it works. I I give those answers. Come on. So, give me somebody with courage right now. Who knew more about fishing? The disciples or Jesus? The disciples knew more about fishing. I know what you but Jesus knows everything. But Jesus wasn't a fisherman. The disciples were fish. They fished for a living. They did it every day. They owned the boats. They cleaned the nets. They went into the water every day. Jesus was a pro at walking on the water. They were good at fishing in the water. So here the Lord challenges them on the very thing that they're experts on. So now I come back to you and here's what I throw out to you. Part of learning to be obedient is that we cannot become experts, but we must remain novices when God tells us to do something. I don't know if you just heard what I said. Let me try you over here. Okay, listen. Part, Part of spiritual growth is that we cannot become experts. We must remain novices so that when God tells us to do something, we don't tell him, hey, we already tried that. and It doesn't work. We need to say to him, no matter what he says to us, you want me to let down the net? Fine, I'll let down the net. You want me to love her that way? Okay, I'll love her that way. You want me to serve him? What? All right. Believe me. (laughs) You don't know him, but... Because you asked me to, I'll do it. Remaining a novice is absolutely essential to have God do anything great in your life. Because if you're an expert, you don't need God, do you? And in fact, here's what happens. When we become an expert, we tend to tell God how to do it rather than to listen for God to tell us how to do it. Do you hear what I just said? It is a key to spiritual growth. People all the time become experts on something because they do it over and over and over again, and then they begin to tell God, the only way you can do something is how I understand you doing it. How would I... I've got... My favorite one is Mary. For centuries, prophetically it's been spoken that a virgin would bring forth the Savior. However, when it happens they're completely unprepared for it. Because the story goes like this, that some young approximately 14 or 15 year old uneducated girl who is pregnant out of wedlock claims that no man did this to me, but the Holy Spirit did. And herein lies the problem, that the experts in the law, do you know what that means? The ones who began to memorize the book of Leviticus at five years old, they were experts, told God, you cannot do it this way. And therefore, they missed, listen, how God did it. And they're still looking for it today. That's good it might be this new coat I'm not sure but it's, it's just fiery here's my question why did God do it this way to test their obedience obedience brings blessing how about this what if they had let the nets out on the other side of the boat do you think they would have caught the fish It was only doing it the way God told them to do it that they entered into the blessing of God. If you own a business, you know what I would tell you? You should listen to everything God tells you to do and do it exactly like he tells you to do it because you'll be blessed. If you're a pastor, here's what I would tell you. Do everything God tells you to do because you'll be blessed. If you're a missionary, here's what I would tell you to do. Do everything God tells you to do, because you'll be blessed. If you're married, I would tell you, do everything God tells you to do, because you'll be blessed. Do you hear me? Let me give you a fun fact. In John 21, 11, the story that we just read from Luke is told. In John 21, 11, it gives us the number of fish caught. The number of fish that the disciples caught was 153 fish. 153. I'm going to give you a fun fact. There's a term in Hebrew called gemetria. Gemetria is the measurement of Hebrew numbers correspond to certain letters. 153 if you take the numbers and then apply it to the letters it spells out a certain thing so 153 means something am i confusing you on what i'm saying okay, what is 153 if 153 means this jesus is lord wow so here's what's cool about this the deci- everything God did is on purpose. God did nothing by acts. Nothing was done. There was not supposed to be 154 or 152. There was going to be 153 fish because it spelled out, Jesus is Lord. Wow. That is cool. That, that is... Co- now, now, where did you learn that? In Israel, walking off the boat, my guide turns to me and says, do you know what the 153 mean? And he is not a believer. He's, he's Jewish. And I said, I have no idea what the 153 mean. And he tells me it's called gemetria. And he said it relates to that in Hebrew, numbers are letters. And if you put it together, it spells Jesus is Lord. My Jewish friend tells me that's what it says. How powerful is that right there? I love stuff like that. Verse 8. Verse 8 ends this way. When Simon Peter saw it, what did he see? He saw Jesus tell him to let the nets down on a certain side. He saw the nets fill. He saw that he had to call his partner over. He saw a miracle, didn't he? Okay, so let's read it again. When Simon Peter saw the miracle, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I want to throw this out. Doesn't that seem right off the cuff to be sort of a funny response to the miracle? Wouldn't you think that a better response would have been, Ah! We got some money today! We're going on vacation! Tell the kids! Yeah! Is that too undignified? Some of you are like, was that too undignified for you? What would you do? I bet you're a real fun person to be around when God does something. You're like, oh, that's great. When <laughs> so Jesus walks on the water, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> mind, it seems to me that it's a funny expression. This is what I know. This is why we need the miraculous in the church today. The miraculous causes people to recognize the difference between them and God and repentance happens instantaneously. Miracles are largely responsible for repentance. Repentance people come into the understanding that the supernatural is real, that God is here and God is now, and it dawns on Just like here's why Adam ran and hid. Before his eyes were opened, he was innocent. He didn't realize the king of the universe comes to hang out with me. But after his eyes are opened, it spoils everything because now he recognizes, I am Nothing compared to that. And that's still the reaction. Anybody that comes in contact with a miracle, it causes people to absolutely go, he's real. And I, if he's not merciful, I'm in trouble. If he's not gracious, it's over. But here's the good news. He is very gracious. And he is very merciful. But the miracle, here's why we need healing in church today. And here's why we need demons cast out today. And here's why we need deaf ears opened and blind eyes to see and marriage rescued because we need people to still bow their knee to Jesus and to say, save me, I'm a sinful person. We still need to say that, folks. We have not outgrown this. We do not out whatever the word is, we we don't become too sophisticated to where when people who don't know God come in contact with Him, they should be able to do that casually. When we come in contact with the living God, the natural reaction should be, hit your knees and recognize how great and awesome and mighty He is. That's why we need miracles today. That's why. Does that make sense? Pray for miracles. So last night I was speaking, I had a miracle. Most of you know, this whole series started, God healed my back. So last night I told that testimony, and this is what the Lord told me, driving up when I was going to speak, he told me, okay, end with that and and tell people that you have great faith to pray for people with back injuries, but don't invite them to come forward because you're gonna be overwhelmed with how many people, just have them stand up. So I'm not sure exactly how many people were there last night, maybe, somewhere between 700 and 1,000 people. And, and I said, okay, if, if you're back, you need to be healed in your back, and you believe that God could heal you, I want you to stand at your feet right now. Three, 400 people stood up. It was impossible for me to go and pray for every one of these. It would have been impossible. So I said, if someone's standing next to you and you believe in healing, would you go and put your hand on them right now? And it was just really neat. The church is going to be the church. The body's going to minister to the body. And people just began praying, I don't know, for 10 or 15 minutes. People were just praying for each other. And then I just said this, how many of you right now can testify you had pain before we started praying and right now you have no more pain? I had about 12 people raise their hand and say, right now, I know I've been healed. God did something in my back. So the rest of you, here's what I want you to do. When God healed me, it wasn't instantaneously. He healed me as I went. So tonight when you go home, Why don't you tell the Father this? Thank you for healing me. Because if you say it afterwards, it's gratitude. But if you say it before, it's faith. So why don't you just get a little faith and say, thank you, God, for touching my body. Thank you for healing my back. Thank you for meeting my needs. Do you agree with that? So I come to the end of our message. This day is now done with this series, and I have not prayed for anybody's back, (laughs) and I would like to do that. God has done something wonderful for me that I have great faith in right now. He healed my back. I know what it's like to take shots with needles this long. I know what it's like to have to take pain medicine to keep doing what you're doing. I know what it's like to be in a position where you see God do things for other people but not for yourself. And I know what it's like to have faith for other people but to lose faith for you. And if you think, gosh, you're a pastor, how could you ever end up in that position? Because I'm a human just like you are. Because I know what it's like to pray for something for a long time, and here's the truth. The battle of our faith is from the time you pray for something till the time God gives you what you pray for, that length is the battlefield, isn't it? Where does it play out? Right here. Right here. This is the battlefield for your life. This is where the devil fights for all the territory in your life, right here. So I'm just going to ask the question. I'm going to say it for backs, but I'll be whiter than that. If you believe the Lord just to touch your body tonight, you need healing. Would you just stand to your feet? Just wherever you are. If, just if God's speaking to you. If he's not, it's okay. There's no condemnation. I don't want you to play a game. I don't want you to feel, I'm, I'm closing my eyes right now because I don't even want you to feel like anybody's watching you. Or There's no condemnation. This is only if you hear the Holy Spirit say something to you. so I look around the room and there's a lot of us and as our worship teams come and they get ready, can I have the body be the body? Would you look around the room and if you believe that God heals, would you be willing to go to a person who is standing right now and just put your hand on their shoulder? That's all I want you to do. Would you just go to a person who's standing and just put your hand on their shoulder if you believe that God heals? I want you to look around. Make sure I don't want anybody who stood to be by themselves right now. And in fact, if you're standing and no one has come to you, would you hold your hand up and wave at me so I can make sure we get somebody to you? Make sure nobody's by themselves. Right in the back, guys. Right in the back, right back there. I got three people, so I need a couple more people. Go straight to the back. Yeah, Jeremy, right right here. Right, yeah, very good, Perfect. Anybody else? I want anybody that needs prayer. Right, this lady right here. And this man right down here. I, just, I need one more person right down here. If you've got two or three people standing, yeah. If you come over here. Perfect. Anybody else? If you stood, I don't want you by yourself. If you, we're going to pray for you. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I just simply from what's inside of you right now. The Bible says that the good person from the good things inside of his heart brings forth good things. I want you just to begin to pray for healing right now from that good place inside of you, from that belief in God, from understanding that God is a healer. Just begin to ask God right now to touch their body. Speak it out loud. Father, touch this person. Speak out loud right now. God, we ask that you would just do what you do and heal, heal. For those who stood for backs right now, Marcus, in the name of Jesus, son, I pray that the Lord would touch you, that you would receive strength that you would receive right now mercy and that you would receive virtue, healing virtue, Marcus, healing virtue, that your back, oh, that God would touch the nerves, the things that are hurt and the things that have been damaged. I ask that the Lord right now be merciful to you, son, that he wash you right now every fiber of your being in his blood. Jesus spilt that blood, not just for our salvation, but for our healing too. And I ask that he wash you right now and make you strong and make you whole. Thank you, Lord, for being good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you you for your mercy and thank you, God, for your kindness and thank you for your goodness right now. God, we just bless you. We bless the work of the Lord. I bless you as you touch minds, as you touch you touch throats, as you touch knees and you touch hips, God. God, as you touch hearts right now. God, if those are people standing right now with disease in their body, I ask in Jesus' name that you would curse that thing right now like you did that fig tree and it would dry up and die right now. In Jesus' name, I ask God that you would loose us, loose us from infirmity. Loose us, Father God, from the things in this world. God, that, that, God all healing, we recognize all healing in this world is temporary because this is not heaven. But God, right now, heal. And make whole your people. Make whole your people. And I thank you for your kindness and your mercy. I thank you for your kindness and your mercy. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 It's a little, a little different ending for a service, but it's the one that the Lord wanted us to have. This is the blessing of obedience, that when you do it His way, things happen that you can't, you can't slate or plan or, or legislate. Things that God just does for us. What I'd like to do now, our worship pastors come, and they're going to close our services I just want you, as you engage with God, use communion, you worship Him, you use our cross, whatever, whatever method you use to engage God, I want you just to thank Him. Just thank Him tonight. Thank you. If you prayed for someone, thank Him that He used you. If you were prayed for, thank Him that He touched you. But I want you just to spend your time engaging with Him. Thank Him. Be grateful to Him tonight. My daughter... So I, I'm, my, I'm, I'm going. Right. My daughter, the one that just got married, came to me tonight. She said, Dad, um, with the crosses? She said, I, I had this really neat idea. She said, what if we took the crosses out for just a couple of weeks and we put chalkboards up there? She said, because we've become really used to taking all of our problems to God. But what if on the chalkboards we were, we were to write, Jesus, here's what I'm thankful for. And we began to write down the things that we're thankful that God's done in our life this week. And I just thought, what a neat idea, because we have become used to taking all of our needs to God, and rightfully so. And this isn't a permanent move, but what if we did take a couple of weeks, and we just began to write down the things that we're thankful that God did for us this last week? What if we thanked Him for answering our prayer, or for, for just being merciful to us? Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? Wouldn't it be good to have a time of response to Him where we engage him and we say, thank you for doing this in our life? What that meant to me is that the apple didn't fall far from the tree. She got it. So I'm going to... I don't know who would do that. Make, yeah, make it happen, man. <laughs> All of our campuses. Let's do that, however we need to do it. Maybe we just bring chalkboards in next to the cross. I don't know how we do it, but let's find a way to tell God what we're thankful for too and say that. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet and we'll close out this time right now. Let's just worship Him and thank Him for it. And folks... Let it be just a time of thankfulness to the Lord. I think that's what he would call us into obedience for tonight.